Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, it's me, the Comeback Coach. Guys, I just want to tell you about a person in my life that is truly, truly amazing. And she's actually changing the world one house, one home at a time. Her name is Tammy Moses of The Hoarding Solution. She's the founder and chief encouragement officer of Homes Are For a Living, The Hoarding Solution, which is a veteran-owned and operated business. Tammy provides virtual consultations and workshops on the issues of hoarding. She believes in inspiring others to take their adversity and use it for the greater good. She is the voice of AKOPTH, adult kids of parents that hoard. She is also a voice and advocate for our, of, for YLITH, Youths Living in the Horde. You can connect with Tammy at homesareforliving at gmail.com and on Facebook at Instagram at The Hoarding Solution. So guys, if you know anybody that's struggling with ho- any kind of hoarding issue, please reach out to Tammy she has a heart of service and she truly cares about people. All right, guys, remember vertical momentum. The only way to go is but up. Welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I'm your host, Richard Kaufman, and this is going to be a fun episode, guys. As you guys know, I love to talk to game changers and thought leaders, and this young lady is doing both. She's changing the game of podcasting. And she's truly amazing, so I'm so grateful to have her on. Christy, what's going on? What's new? Hi, how are you? I'm doing amazing. How's everything going at college? It is it's going, working, and going to school at the same time. It's, it has its days, but so far, so far, I wouldn't change it for the world because so, I love my job. <laughs> so what are you going to school for? I am actually going to school for nursing. Okay, my mom's been a nurse for over 50 years, so you got to have a heart of service. Yeah, I actually used to be uh, EMT, and then I fell in love with the nursing side, so I just switched over completely. Okay. So, yeah, I've been in healthcare for a little bit now. So tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up and what kind of little girl you were. So I'm originally from Columbia, South Carolina, but I... Gamecocks, Gamecocks. Yep. (laughs) Yep, but I moved to Virginia uh, around this time a year ago. And how do you like Virginia compared to South Carolina? I love it. Um, I Obviously, South Carolina has my heart, but Virginia, I love Virginia. (laughs) Now, what kind of... Uh, growing up, what kind of family dynamics? So my mom was actually a Southern Baptist minister growing up. So I grew up in a Christian family, um, went to private school all the way up to high school, very religious house, religious household, if you would. Um, But growing, but South Carolina is actually a pretty small town and not a lot of room to grow so that's when I made the decision to leave the nest Uh, my mom still lives in Murrells Inlet South Carolina Mm -hmm. 
I retired out of Fort Fort Jackson, South Carolina. So I, I'm a Gamecock. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't follow Clemson. I'm a Gamecock. <laughs> I was surrounded by both. My family, we have for a Gamecock, half for, half for Crimson. So football season was always, always entertaining. <laughs> so what made you want to get into the uh, healthcare and being an EMT? Um, it, it took a lot. Um, it wasn't, it honestly wasn't my first choice. My first choice actually would have been theater, but the more I did my research on the job market, I wanted something that was more financially stable that I actually like, you know, could see myself doing for a long time. So, um, I did several different things before I actually made my final decision to be a nurse. So it wasn't like something that I knew growing up, like what, what do you want to be when you grow up? I honestly didn't know until I moved out exactly what what I wanted to be. So. Now, you know, I'm a big first responder advocate. Um, I love my first responders, Mm -hmm. but you know, I'm, I'm a very big, I'm I'm a big advocate. Um, first responders that's struggling with post-traumatic stress right um so take this behind the scenes of what ems is actually like because you know you see you see all these you know you don't people don't you guys see stuff that most normal people should never right well one thing i that i notice is like people kind of glorify the job to get people recruited but they don't really tell you exactly what to expect until you are out there so a lot of so a lot of the situations that i've seen i can honestly say i was not mentally prepared for right off the bat obviously as i did the job more um it got a little easier to handle but your first call and you experience your first code is different people handle handle situations like that differently. And I think it kind of um, gives you a glimpse of what kind of professional you're going to be, how well you're going to be able to handle it. And usually the first call is when people made that decision to whether or not they want, they want to do this for the rest of their lives or if they want to use this as a step tool to move on to somewhere else. So talk to us um, about, how you coped with your first loss? Ooh, therapy. <laughs> lots and lo- lots and lots of therapy. Um, luckily, I had a great support system, and all of my friends are in the EMS community because I know the EMS community is actually pretty small. So, you, it's like so- something happens, the next person is going to hear about it. So I had a really good support system. My director got me with a therapist the next day and I didn't go back on call for like about three weeks to make sure that I was still good. Now, of course, you know, I, I, I let everybody know that if you're, if anybody's listening to this, it's okay not to be okay. Yep. And um, I've been seeing the same therapist for the last 12 years so it's okay. Yeah. You know, and even therapists have therapists. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> therapy was actually something new to me because where I, it's not, um, 
depression and PTSD, all that stuff is something that's not, unfortunately, it's not something that's really talked about in my family. So it was kind of a shock to me when I first, when I first went, because, you know, some people automatically look at you going to therapy and they think that's, you're crazy. I'm like, no, sometimes you just need to need somebody to talk to a professional, you know? So it's, um, after my first session, I've basically been seeing my therapist for the past six months. And I will say that it has made the job a whole lot easier to deal with from EMS and the nursing side. Yeah. Cause a lot of times, you know, being in, you know, EMS, first responder, military, police, you know, on the job, we'll be like, all right, you know, we'll just suck it up. Exactly. But you can't tell somebody, you know, that's struggling with PTSD or to suck it up. You know, it's like trying to tell a person that's deaf to listen harder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just like you, they need, you know, you need somebody to talk to. And sometimes the people that are in your circle, you know, they'll just like, oh, you're just feeling down, mm-hmm. feeling blue. And you're like, no, um, you know, like I had a friend, he's a uh, police chief. And uh, he said, you know, I would try to come home and my wife would ask me how my day was. But I just got home from a quadruple homicide, including mm-hmm. two children. So I can't exactly talk about my job. At exactly. Home, you know, so now since we're talking about mental health um, and like I said, people that come on my show know, I don't know where the conversation goes. It just flows. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you keep your cup filled? You know, cause you cannot pour from an empty cup. Right. How do you keep yourself mentally strong and how do you keep yourself, your cup filled to help others? Honestly, the way I, the way I see it, you can't really, you can't help somebody if you become the patient, right? So what I have noticed and what I have learned, my managers always tell me, if you feel like you need a break, take a break. Because sometimes mental mental health, um, working in a health care field, you never know what you're going to expect the second you clock in. It could be an easy day or you can have somebody die in your ship. So in order to prepare myself, I take all the time off that I need. If I have a rough shift and I feel like I probably won't be in the right state of mind to be able to properly do my job, then I just take off. And sometimes I do feel bad for doing that just because I know that there is a shortage on the health um, healthcare field. But, you know, I better play it safe and make sure that I'm, that I'm okay, then, you know, get poor service. Cause at the end of the day, it's people's lives that you have in your hands. And you said you can't help the patient if what? If you become the patient. All right. Well, that, that's going to be the name of this episode. When it comes <laughs> Cause I think that's, you know, even in the military, you know, they always teach you, you know, if you get hurt, make sure that you're bandaged and turn to get up first mm-hmm. before you try to help somebody else. And I think the mistake a lot of people make is that they they don't really take care of themselves because they're always used to being taking care of other people. But let me tell you, being burned out is one of the most stressful things ever. And I experienced it plenty of times and I try not to get to that point again. So I'm like, if I need to take a day off, I'm going to take a day off. <laughs> 
Now, so what made you want to get off of the trucks and going to nursing school? Um, I like taking care of people. I like the feeling of, you know, when you've been working with somebody from a long time, you see them from looking really bad to like suddenly being able to walk again. Um, I realized I, I liked the nursing side of EMS more than I liked the other stuff that came, came with it. Cause you know, when you're on the truck, it's basically a 24 hour job. Um, and you only get like a certain amount of hours off a week. So I, I was like, I was still 25, 26 years old. I wanted to have a balance between my family and social life versus work. So I felt like going into nursing was the best was the best option for me. Granted, nursing does have its own level of stress, but it's more of a maintainable maintainable stress, if that makes sense. Now, are you going to specialize in kind of like my mom? She specialized in geriatric nursing. Mm-hmm. Are you going to specialize in any kind of nursing? I, I'm leaning to more um, geriatric and long-term nursing, but I would like to explore my options just to see what else is out there. But right now, like I said, I work at a nursing home and like what I'm doing, but you never know. I might go, I might get into clinicals and go into uh, pediatrics, realize I like working with kids. So I want to keep my options open, but right now it looks like I have a specific goal in mind. Okay. So now you're going to school Mm -hmm. and you're working at the same time. Yep. When did you find time to start a podcast? Uh, the podcast thing actually happened by complete accident. I was like, I wanted, I wanted a hobby, something that I could do on the side. And I met a friend online and he um, has been helping me with the ins and out of podcasting. And then I recorded my first episode um, basically completely as a joke. And I realized that I just like doing it. So now it's something that I just do whenever I have the time off. Um, just a just a hobby that I do on the side. So talk to us. Tell, tell us about the premise of the show and some of your past episodes. And then we can go into whatever you guys, whatever you want to talk about, whatever's on your heart. Okay. Well, in the beginning, um, I really didn't know exactly what I wanted my show to be about just because I I didn't want it just want to talk about one specific thing because originally I was like maybe I would have to be a politics thing, but then I realized I didn't want to talk about politics and stuff all the time. So I'm kind of gearing it to be like a talk show where I can get other people on there who maybe want to promote their businesses, podcasts or whatever they're doing so they can get um, some more feedback or growth or whatever they want to do. Just make it a fun safe space where people can voice their opinions without being, without being judged. And, you know, I think, you know, that in America today, you know, like I think that me and you, if we ever, you know, any, ever got together you know you can actually just sit down and have an intelligent conversation Mm -hmm. you know and being you know being from the south it's kind of like 
we know we have that respect factor, you know, exactly. where you can just sit down with a cup of hot, you know, sweet tea and, and break mm-hmm. cornbread and just chill out. And, you know, no matter whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, you know, whatever it is, we're all people. Exactly. And like, I you think, respect me, you respect me, I respect you. I really don't care what side people support. I just care about if you're a good person or not. But not everybody thinks like that, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, like being in the military for over 23 years, um, it, I came to the realization that, you know, there is no... Well, in the military anyway, there mm-hmm. was no black, there was no white, there it was just green. Mm-hmm. It was like if you get shot at, you know, the bullets don't care what color. You know, exactly. so you know, I and I got uh, cured, and I, and I wrote about it in my book. I got cured of racism in 1986, mm-hmm. and you know, and it, that's when I realized, you know, that people are just people, and a lot of. And 99% of the people in this country all agree on the same stuff. Yeah. It's just the 1% that just uh, people just want to cause problems. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I have come to the realization, especially when it comes to social media, a lot of them don't really know. They don't really know what they're talking about the majority of the time. They're just repeating what they heard. And misinformation causes a lot of unnecessary conflict. So (laughs) I just try to stay away from that, do my own research on things for my own opinion, and just let people do what they want to do. But, you know, and I I agree with you. You know, there's a a lot of people that because they say I'm a a big reader. You know, I've I've got like eight, nine books going Mm -hmm. at all times. You know, and even before I vote for a president, um, I, I read all I can on their background. I read if they have books out, you know, I read about I read read all their books, mm-hmm. you know, just way I can have an informed opinion instead of just having. Oh, oh, well, on Facebook, it says blah, blah, blah. And exactly. You're, and you're like, yeah, but, you know, like I'm not a big Biden guy, mm-hmm. but everything that he's been through you know, with the death of his wife and his kids, it's like, you know, you start, you feel for a person and, but if you don't know the past, you know, they like to say, you know, if you don't know the past then you're, you're bound to repeat it. Right. And a lot of people, you know, they just, like you said, it's the, you know, social media generation where, Oh, I just have to reshare it. Mm -hmm. You didn't, you didn't do any research on the issue. Honestly, when it comes to the president, other people in office, I never, I never over glorified presidents at all because they're human. They're not, they're not God or anything like that. So they are going to mess up eventually. So I just never understood the whole political divide. Like if we're all supposed to be one nation under God. Why is there so much, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, I I voted for Obama the first time. Mm-hmm. And I read all his books ahead of time. And, you know, one thing I, I loved about him is even to this day, uh, there was never any drama. There was never any screwing around on the wife. Exactly. There was, you know, there was never any issues with the family. 
And I think that's such an important thing that, you know, uh, no matter who you are, you know, it's, it, it, it boils down to, you know, what is your life like, you know? Right. And one thing that I did like about Obama, even when he did do something that was a little shady, he owned up to it. And it wasn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't like dragged on for for a long time. He just addressed it, attempted to fix it, and then he just moved on. Yep. And, you know, and he's probably one of the most loved presidents, you know, of, of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, and and people don't realize, you know, what a great, you know, like our last president, you know, was not a great speaker. Mm-hmm. But one thing about, you know, Obama, he was a great, great speaker. Mm-hmm. And and he, he looked presidential. You know, and, and I think we need that in our country to, you know, to have somebody that looks like a president and can speak like a president, you know. What I what I personally think is that they need to completely, I guess you would say, rebrand. Like the same the same rules and regulations that you need for jobs are the same same. How do I do it? The same qualifications that you need to have for president. The president is going to be the speaker of the United States. He's going to be representing the United States. Don't you can't just hire a game show host to be the president just because you like them. You need somebody that actually knows what they're doing. And, and I, you know, and I totally agree. I mean, I have a different opinion on things. You know, I think they should have if the president is a Democrat, mm-hmm. they should have the vice president as a Republican. Right. Balance this, it out. I get it. You know, this way you have two people that are looking out for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, no matter, like, even in the last election, are you telling me those are the best two guys in this whole country? No. Those, <laughs> you know, those two old white guys are the best that we got? No. Nope. You know, they, they were the best. It, it was the, be- the best of the sad situation, but I think the problem is a lot of people saw the crap that's been going on for four years and they're like i don't want those problems so now we're stuck with people who are like 70 years old trying to run the country so yep (laughs) i get you know like i'm a big fan i like the the gentleman uh from south carolina scott Mm -hmm. you know and i love him and and i and you know i think that certain people it's like they're so you know everything is color mm-hmm. like you know what about substance you know that's what i'm interested in the substance you know like like i i loved uh uh i wish colin powell and uh condoleezza rice would have ran together mm-hmm. that would have been like amazing too. that would have been an amazing ticket mm-hmm. you know, i would have been like i would have been all about that and it wouldn't have mattered what color who was it was just you know we got to get America back on track. So mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you some questions because, you know, you're on my show and hopefully one day I can become on your show. Okay. How do we get America back to center? You know, instead of being all right, instead of being all left, how do we get America just back to being people again? Well, first of all, I think the main issue is people not really understanding, um, 
understanding what they're actually talking about. Like I noticed a lot of people, especially with the election last year, they would just look at a headline and then they'll jump into conclusions from there. Um, I think that if people actually did their own research on things and put aside the racism, put aside the classism, whatever ism you that's involved in it and actually sat down and was like, hey, we need to make sure that the American people were straight despite our differences. How do we go about it? And, you know, basically adults acting like adults because right now they are being so petty with each other. They can't even decide on how to feed America at this point. You know, so, and, and I love it. Like you said, you know, they make even like the whole COVID-19 thing, mm-hmm. they made it a political issue. And that really made me mad because I remember working at the hospital and I would literally see patients dying every day from COVID. And then I'll have a person tell me, oh, it's just a tactic from the government. I'm like, no, COVID, the COVID part is real. It is real. Whether or not you want to believe it or not, I've seen it. I had to wear three masks for 12 hours a day. It's real. The part that y'all are making political is the mass mandate and that part i didn't understand but <laughs> yeah you know but. you know being you know south you know south carolina mm-hmm. you know, like we went in, in new, new jersey we were on lockdown pretty much right then we went to myrtle beach that's where my parents live and we went to broadway the beach and nobody was wearing masks and we're like you know we're all in the same dealing with the same COVID issue, but mm-hmm. different how certain states will act different than other states. Just because but, of a political difference. Now, what was it like, you know, and I've never interviewed a nurse, mm-hmm. but so you're the first one, so thank you so much. No what problem. Was, what was it like being on those floors when COVID first started hitting? It was hard because I remember even before the vaccine was even because like keep in mind um i don't really know if i'm allowed to say this but the public didn't know about certain things about the vaccine that we did because we were briefed um a couple of times a month about the vaccine and the research and stuff that they were doing prior to it the cdc actually releasing it to the public so we it was like okay we are basically getting our get our butts kicked because of this vaccine people are dying every day they don't really have um we don't have a solution for it but we knew a a solution was supposed to be coming and that was what i think the most frustrating part of that whole situation because it was like okay people were asking when can we see our loved ones when can we visit them um is there a cure? Is there anything that we can do to help? And it was it was just frustrating because it was like, okay, we can't really tell you yes and we can't really tell you no because nothing has been confirmed, but we knew that it was being worked on. And that's when what I think was the was the most difficult part about it, just seeing all those people sick and not really being able to have a solution except for making them as comfortable as they could be. No, what I'm thinking, you know, because I'm trying to put myself in your shoes, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot, you know, I, like I said, I did, I was in the military for 23 years. So a lot of times if my, anybody in my family has any questions about military, I'm the guy that they go to. 
Right. But how hard was it, you know, because I'm sure Aunt, Aunt, Aunt Annie is going to call you and have all these questions for you. Exactly. You know, whether it's HIPAA, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, uh, you can't because of your job, you know, you can't say certain things. Right. So what exactly. was that like as, you know, personally for you seeing all these deaths, but then you're not really able to talk about it or talk about the, the what you heard about the vaccines because of your job. That must have been pretty hard for you. It really was because I remember at the very, because like at the very beginning, I wasn't even a nurse yet. I was still in EMS and there was like a shortage of everything because that was uh, at the very beginning. I think it was like back in February or March when people were were going crazy and buying all the masks and stuff. And it, it it was just frustrating to me because it was around that time when Trump basically said that COVID didn't exist. And I'm like, okay, I'm here. I have all this information, but I can't say anything because like I said, because of the HIPAA violation. So I'm seeing everybody um, forming their own, like at this point it was conspiracy theories about the situation. And I was just like, okay, it's, I just really didn't know what to do because I'm like, at the end of the day, you're adults, you can do what you want with your bodies. But the fact that you are not taking this seriously, is frust- it, was, it was really frustrating to me, especially since a lot of them were people my own age. And then they ended up getting COVID um, a couple of months later. So it was just, it was just a weird time. Because like, like you said, I had I had some of the information, obviously not as much information as the doctors did, but it, because it was like I knew, but I couldn't say anything. Yeah, and, you know, and I'm sure that it had to be hard, you know, because I, like, I think of, you know, because you hear all the political crap, no matter whether you're watching CNN, but, right. you know, they all have their agendas. So, you know, mm-hmm. I stopped watching the news. But, you know, like I'll say, you know, I believe that the masks work because, you know, with doctors and nurses that are around it 24 hours a day, they right. have a lot more, a lot less infection rates than people that are around it once in a while. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what are your, like I said, I don't ever want you to ever say anything that's going to get you in trouble or get you hemmed up because that's right. not, but, you know, did you find that same thing that, you know, you guys are wearing the mask and not getting as sick as the general public. So there was something to it. Well, I will say that the mask, if you're wearing them correctly, the mask do work. That is a fact. But the issue that we were having, there was obviously no vaccine at the beginning of the pandemic. Right. So they were making us wear three masks at a time for 12 hour shifts. So in a way, we were wearing, like we were wearing like basically this jumpsuit type situation. We would have like a um, covering over our normal scrubs. Well, first of all, we'll walk in with our regular scrubs, and then we would, if we were on the COVID unit that day, we would have to take our regular scrubs off and put on the COVID safe scrubs, and then we'll have to wear um, work issue shoes, and then we'll have to put on all of our PPE, and then we would put on our three masks. And we would wear these uniforms for 12, hour, 12 hours a day. 
Um, as the as the vaccine um got closer, we were able to slowly start stripping away some of the uniform. But in the beginning, I was like, I can understand why these people don't want to wear this crap because this is hard. <laughs> now, because um, you know, talking about you know what you do and and. And like I said, my mom has been a nurse for 50 years mm-hmm. and I'm so appreciative of, you know, nurses and doctors because most people don't realize if you're a nurse, you, you know, you're still working every other weekend. Right. Uh, you're every holiday. Hospitals don't close. Nope. <laughs> yeah. So basically so, when, you know, you need, when they need you, especially at my job right now, if they need you, they call you, you go in. Now, you know, a lot of people think, okay, you know, like for me, I got vaccinated as soon as they offered it. I'm like, why not? You know, and then, you know, everybody was saying, well, some of the side effects or, you know, heart issues. Inflammation. You know, somebody told me that I was going to turn into a vampire when I first got mine. And I was so disappointed when that didn't happen. But so what I, <laughs> you know, I started taking fish oils and anti-inflammatories just so mm-hmm. I have and you know stay hydrated so you know just because you get the shots it doesn't mean you are going to be healthy exactly so how do you keep yourself besides the the shots how do you keep yourself healthy physically um i still take my vitamins every day faithfully um i basically still do the same sanitary precautions that i was doing uh, before the mask flipped it because I don't really I don't really trust people yet so I'm like okay I don't know if they actually got vaccinated they could still be sick so I still have my hand sanitizer still have my disinfecting wipes and I'm still basically living as if they didn't lift the mask mandate just because just because I might be a little paranoid <laughs> but nothing has nothing has really changed changed for me and that in that perspective. You know, because like a lot of people don't realize that a lot of, I mean, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of people that have died from mm-hmm. is because of they had underlying conditions. Exactly. And I, I think that's where, you know, I think that's where the confusion, the confusion yeah. happened because they, people die, get the vaccine. Some of them died, but they think that is the actual vaccine that killed them when in reality, like you said, is they had an underlying condition. Because I remember when I actually got my vaccine, they tested me completely before they would even stick me. Um, like if I had like an issue with the flu shot, you couldn't take the vaccine. So, but I think it might be because earlier they really didn't know what to expect. It was in their like testing stages. So maybe that could have been the reason for all that, but. You know, cause I, I know that they say, you know, if, if you're obese, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a lot deadlier mm-hmm. you know, if you have diabetes or if you have lung issues. So I think that if people started taking care of themselves a little bit better, you know, and take the shots, you know, that they have a much better chance, chance of living a good life. And unfortunately, you know, being from South Carolina, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> <laughs> it's fried, you know, everything is breaded, you know, sweet tea is like a part sweet tea, the rest exactly. is, 
you know, so, you know, diabetes running rampant. So I think that if people kind of, you know, even started getting a little bit healthier, walking, walking a little bit, you know, they can alleviate a lot of the problems that, that are associated with COVID without being associated with COVID, you know? Exactly. So last couple, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was basically going to say if people stopped looking at it as a political issue and started looking at it as a health problem, then we would be in a whole lot better predicament. You know, and like you said, you know, it's there's Republicans that died of it. There's, you know, there's mm-hmm. Democrats that died of it. It's it's not it's a health issue. Exactly. Because a lot of my a lot of the patients that I had, they were people that were able to cross the country. So they, the virus doesn't care. Either way. <laughs> yep. So now a couple, you know, last couple questions. Okay. Uh, how do we find your podcast? Where is it? And how can we support what you're doing? So my podcast is called Christy with a C. I am on Apple um, Podcasts. I'm also on iHeartRadio. And I'm on Amazon Music. Um. I basically just would like people to just give me a shot. Just listen to me. If they would like to be promoted on my show in any way, then that's, that's following me too. Cause like I said, this is just something that I'm doing for the fun of it. If it takes me further than that, then I'm open to it. <laughs> well, if you, if you could see me right now, I'm raising my hand. I'm like, I want to be on, I want to be on. <laughs> I love, you know, I love being a guest on, on other people's shows. And for some reason, you know, I don't know what it is out there, you know, but a lot of podcasters don't want to have fellow podcasters on there. And it's like, you know what? We're all in the same family. Mm-hmm. You know, we could just like, you can reach certain people that I can't. And I can reach certain people that you can't. Mm-hmm. So if we all work together we all can solve the bigger problems. Exactly. You know? So now let, you know, last question, you know, in New Jersey where I live, you know, we're still a little bit on lockdown. Um, a lot of families lost jobs because of the COVID. Um, so we got parents driving for DoorDash. Mm-hmm. We got grandparents, homeschooling kids. So if I ask the average American uh, to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it. All right. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So somebody out there that's listening to this right now is struggling with their mental health or their health. Mm -hmm. What is something they can do in the next 24 hours to get some help? Honestly, it's going to sound so cliche, but therapy. Get Do your research. Get a really good therapist and don't just get one that's going to try to medicate you on the first time get somebody that's actually going to work with you and try to get you to fix your issues naturally because they're the ones that actually really care about you but the first step to recovery is basically owning up to it that you have an issue and then doing something about it so i love it i love it so guys definitely Check out her podcast, Christy with a C. It's on Apple. It's on Amazon. It's on everywhere. Definitely check her out. I'm so grateful that we decided, you know, we hooked up. And thank thank you, your promoter, and I'll send him a message. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you for having me. Oh, it was, it was fun. fun. <laughs> it was fun. 
and I'm truly blessed. And if there's any way I can help support your mission, please let me know. Uh, this will go out uh, at the end of next season. So, guys, if you're listening to this, make sure to you subscribe. Leave a comment, especially if you were touched by anything we talked about, especially about COVID. Leave a comment, and we'll get back to you. Thank you so much, and you have an amazing, amazing weekend. Her you week- too. <laughs> All right. Have an awesome week. And I, are you still in school or are you on summer break? I don't go back until August, so I have a little bit of a break. Well, enjoy yourself and get out there and have a little fun. Maybe go to Virginia Beach. I plan on it. All right. Have an amazing week. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. If you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new T-shirt line that's coming out. Hats coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee, and, and it, will, it will get you moving in the morning. So, guys, if you're interested, go to www dot richard dot net check us out leave us a note tell us what you'd like and we'll actually send it to you the new website is being built so if you guys want to our book is out there on amazon it's called a hero's journey from darkness to light definitely check it out it talks about my story but it also talks about how to survive depression how to survive addiction All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.